This is Anthem Blanchard, CEO of NewMetro, and you're listening to RunToGold.com. Welcome back to the RunToGold.com podcast. We have a special guest with us today, Aaron Crown. He's the founder of ML-Implode.com, which is the hub in the mortgage lending industry. Uh, welcome, Aaron. Hey, Trace. Good to be back. Gold's at all-time record highs right now. I remember last time we chatted on the podcast, we were talking about how housing was going to be going down in terms of gold, and, and it has. What this gold price represents is the common stock of nations uh, evaporating. You know, just like BP has lost a tremendous amount of shareholder value as it's threatened with potentially even becoming insolvent and bankrupt, so likewise the governments are threatened with this similar thing, with gold rising as a currency. And so it portends these, as we were talking about before the show, these cracks in the dike. Can you expand a little bit more on that, these cracks in the dike and how what you're doing with this right now? Well, first of all, I want to say that uh, your, your point about common stock of nations is very apt. And I've, I've come to think of fiat money as that. The talking heads and the, the propagandists tell us that, that gold is, is pointless as uh, a uh, store of value or as an investment because it doesn't pay a dividend. But you know, what, is, what dividend does fiat money pay? By itself, it pays nothing. It's just a question of what you invested in, and that is really more of a speculative exercise these days than anything that could be credibly called storing value. It's really just a bogus comparison, and, you know, in that sense, gold ranks very strongly, and the, and the market is starting to see that, that uh, the store of value function is incredibly important compared to that common stock of nations, which which is going the way of BP. In fact, I was in New York about a month ago at one of the Mises uh, activities. While I was there, I met with a couple different hedge funds that I work with, and one of them, he said that the current environment, now this, this guy runs the biggest Indian hedge fund, you know, invests in companies over in India. He said this, this environment we're in is return-free risk, which I thought yeah. was a clever play on words, which gets right exactly to what you're talking about, about how this is just a complete speculative game using these little colored coupons. Exactly. And, and that, that hooks into your question about uh, cracks in the dike and, and what we're seeing there now at this time. And it really is about that uh, return-free risk that, not gone away. I mean, that is the condition of the market and the financial markets in general during a financial panic. And we've seen that time and time again in history. And we are in one of those times now where what predominates is financial panic. And, and sure, they can calm things for a while with government intervention and propaganda, but that changes nothing unless the underlying problems, you know, the mass insolvency, the, the over-leveraged character of, of most investments out there, unless that is actually fixed, which it hasn't been. You know, about a year ago, the stock market started rallying, and, and that makes uh, everybody feel happy. It's like a big mood ring or something for the financial markets and the economy, and, and sadly, society in general uh, and, and uh, national politicians really, really buy into that and stoke that. Over the past year, the zeitgeist has really been about, oh, you know, things are recovering and, you know, there may be problems, but government's going to take care of them. Whether that's actually stated or not, I think that's been the feeling of people in general. And at the same time, there's been this unease. Jobs aren't really coming back. The economy still seems very weak in many ways and, and many metrics are evidence of that. You know, those those underlying problems haven't been solved. Me and, you know, they, many others in the country and community have been writing about that for the past year and, and pushing uh, articles of that sort of theme. And I 
think now we're seeing that's correct. You know, a year later, pundits are starting to talk about some of these forward-looking indicators are now starting to falter. You know, after the trillions have been spent on stimulus and, and some of that essentially vapor high is, is wearing off, there's nothing There's nothing there. There is no foundation or the foundation is eroding. The cracks in the dike are continuing to spread. You know, we've run out of silly putty. Resuming the, the process that was there before and, and what we've seen with European sovereign debt is just one area where panic has set in again. It's all fun and games until uh, somebody's entire lifetime of savings goes up and and evaporates, you know, and that's what we're seeing with pension funds, you know, gets right. us to and the that, next point. That's also the risk for all, you know, not only European banks, but banks around the world in terms of the sovereign debt they hold is that it's, I mean, someone's, that someone being a large chunk of Europe and the rest of the world is, is at risk of losing their welfare in uh, these sovereign defaults, which, which cover much of Europe. For example, I think 39% of BPs owned by British pension funds and another 40% owned by American pension funds, one of them being New York, who's lost a hundred million on their BP investment. But really, you know, New York, massive budget problems. They've had to borrow money from the New York pension fund to make the minimum payments to the pension fund. But that hundred million that they've lost on their BP investment, that kind of pales in comparison to your specialty, right? Hi, this is Jim Willie from the Hat Trick Letter, found on www.goldenjackass.com, and you are listening to Run to Gold. Yeah, the the housing market, absolutely, and that's that's one area where uh, we're starting to see those those cracks. Uh, resume their, their spread. And that is an area where Congress focused a lot of very blatant papering over wallpaper style aid. And they did that with the home buyer tax credits, which are basically, <laughs> I've heard them called the home buyer or home sucker tax bribes. <laughs> they basically give you, give you cash for buying a house and it essentially um, alleviates the need to, to come up with cash and put cash into the transaction. You know, you're not supposed to use it as a down payment, but there, you know, you can always move money around. So, if there's even a transaction, I've heard that there are quite a few prison inmates who have been claiming the tax uh, credit. <laughs> oh, these these programs are always a complete free for all, and they try to they invent them out of thin air, and they don't have the resources to administer them, and they just really they just want to print money and throw it at the market, and kind of sort of try to focus it particular sector of the market. And in that sense, it, it worked. It did halt the decline in home prices in uh, really across the country and in some markets, maybe reverse it a little. You know, the evidence has been out there for months that um, that was wearing off, just another vapor high wearing off. And they had to, to pass a second tax credit when the first one ran out and they could see sales plummeting. And, and now the second one has run out. And of course, you have the largest drop in new home sales ever in history over a uh, one-month span, I believe. So that, you know, that was just just pretty much pointless other than to buy the politicians some time for, for a very expensive fee. Of course, now that the, the data is indisputable, that that was not a real, you know, organic recovery, and, and now the, the mainstream analysts and pundits are having to take notice. So that's, that really characterizes the period we're in now where the mainstream analysts are starting to wake up to the fact that nothing has really been fixed, and that the way they put it is that we're vulnerable to head into a, another dip in a so-called double-dip recession. Where do you see the real estate prices going then, uh, both the housing and the commercial? Well, as far as uh, residential, I've, I've heard of the risk uh, of being as much as another 25% to the downside, maybe more, maybe less than some market. And that's fair. You know, if you look at the, the long-term averages inflation adjusted, you'll see that um, we're still actually considerably above the long-term trend line. So another 
25% or so um, relative to the peak in 2006 is certainly reasonable. We could actually overshoot uh, to the downside. That might happen in concert with significant inflation. So a lot of that decline might only show up inflation adjusted. It would still be a, a bear, you know, severe bear market in real estate. Which we'll see uh, when we price it in gold. When we price it in gold, of course, yeah, exactly. It would be plummeting like a stone, like a gold nugget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been very insightful. Thanks for coming on the podcast again. This is John Rubino from dollarcollapse.com, and you're listening to Run to Gold.